Hey MW, it's Melissa and Stephanie Kerkache, two sisters and the founders of Millennial Women and your host of Millennial Women Talk. We're so grateful you're sharing your time with us today. By tuning into this episode, you're investing in becoming the best version of you and we are thrilled to be on this journey together. Mental health is a topic that is thankfully being talked about more than ever. And our guest today, Whitney Goodman, also known as the Radical Psychotherapist on Instagram, puts it all into perspective for us. Whitney teaches us that at some point or another, we all will feel feelings of anxiety and depression, especially through life's biggest transitions. She also teaches us not to have shame for what we're feeling, how to overcome trauma, and also find hope through a trying time such as an illness and grief. There were so many insightful moments on this episode, but here are some of our takeaways. It's a lot more on us, the givers, to be able to sit with that person's distress and say, I'm gonna just be with this person. And if they're not ready to be happy today or to feel better, I'm gonna be okay with that. We think about self-care as being like, you know, this big fancy thing, but really it's just, are you eating dinner? Like, are you getting up at the time you want to every day? Do you find your life to be billing for you. Okay, MW, the journey to getting closer to the best you starts right now. Whitney, thank you so much for being here today. We're so excited to have you on the show. Thank you for having me. I'm so happy to be here. (laughs) Of course. So for the little of us that don't know who you are, tell us a little about yourself. So I am a licensed marriage and family therapist in Miami. I mainly work with individuals and couples that have been impacted by chronic illness or trauma. Mm. And I also own a co-working space for mental health professionals and wellness professionals in Coral Gables. Amazing. I think I read on your Instagram bio that you are radically honest psychotherapist. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> okay, tell us a little bit about this. I love I love that line. That was something that kind of just came to me, but I like to use that in everything I post right. to always be true to what I believe. And also, I, I'm not a real big sugar coat type of right. person. Um, I tend to say things a little bit more I don't know if the word is harsh, but more more (laughs) honest. Yeah. um, Then I think you would see a lot on social media. Which is so interesting because I do feel like there's a lot of sensitivity around Mm -hmm. what you're doing, right? What you do, your your line of work. Um, So I I really appreciate that. Radical honesty. (laughs) I love it. I love it. So Whitney, we are very grateful for you for being here because I feel like mental health is something that thankfully now, you know, everybody's talking more about. People are becoming more self-aware. They're actually doing the work to better themselves. Mm-hmm. But let's kind of go to the, I guess, I guess my question is, what is the most common mental health problems that you're seeing, I guess, millennial women facing today? Sure. I think a lot of it is around dating, career relationships, and anxiety. And also, mm-hmm. I would say body image, self-image, mm, things wow. like that are really big. Ooh. Interesting. We actually had a whole conversation with Nicole Mejia about body positivity. Mm-hmm. We had no idea. I mean, we have struggled with our own issues with body positivity, negativity. I never knew it was that big. Yeah. And I'm really big on body neutrality more even than positivity as getting to that before you can be positive. Because I find a lot of people, especially that have really negative body image, being positive is 
way down the line. Like mm. it seems like such a stretch for them. Right. That just getting to a place where you can be like, this is my body mm-hmm. and I'm cool with what it does right. and I don't have to love it, but it's my body. But it's my body. Right. Yeah. And what about anxiety, right? So you mentioned a little bit of anxiety. It's something I see all the time on social. Mm-hmm. Um, I personally have suffered from it. What are some of the things that you're helping people go through right now? Actually, sure. why don't we say, what is anxiety? So I think people want to get rid of their anxiety. And I look at anxiety as a normal physical reaction that you have to fear, stress, Mm. anything like that. The problem is, is that our bodies react to things, whether they're real or imagined. We really can't tell the difference. We're also kind of still like cavemen in a (laughs) modern world. So while we're not getting chased by bears, it can still feel like that when somebody criticizes you or goes against your opinion, whatever it is. So thinking of anxiety is like, this is just a way that my body's reacting to something scary mm-hmm. and I'm going to work to manage those feelings is really the strategy that I take. We don't want to get rid of anxiety. Otherwise, we would be doing right. a lot wow. of crazy things <laughs> right, that right, you right. probably don't want to be doing. What are those feelings like? Of anxiety, because I do, and we, we're going to definitely get into this, mm-hmm. but kind of like in social media, we do use these terms quite loosely. Yeah. Anxiety, even depression, right? Sure. Which are heavy words, but we're starting to hear them a lot more often. What exactly is are those feelings of anxiety? What do sure. you feel in your body? So all feelings start as sensations in the body. And with anxiety, you're going to see like your palms might get sweaty, your heart's racing, maybe your stomach hurts or feels like butterflies. Um, you can even tense up, get muscle tightness, feel like you want to run or flee. And we take those signs and then we put labels on them in our head. Mm. So we label the emotion and some people might, what feels like anxiety to you might feel like something else to me. We all have these different ways that that shows up in our bodies. Mm. So it's a physical sensation. I definitely know what Absolutely. that feels like. Yeah, same. Absolutely. <laughs> oh my God. It's like, it's the worst because it almost feels debilitating mm-hmm. sometimes that I'm like, I really hate this. I wish you would stop. Yeah. What are some of the remedies to kind of overcome that? Sure. So what you just brought up, like that feeling of I wish it would stop, I think yeah. is what most people do. Right. And what we found is that when you suppress an emotion or try to force it away, it intensifies. So the best thing you can do is just literally be like, okay, I'm feeling this. My heart's beating fast. Like, don't try to shove it down. Don't try to shame yourself. Just accept that you're feeling something. And then you can go into what might my body be trying to tell me right now? Mm -hmm. Because sometimes what feels like anxiety can actually be a sign that something's important to you Mm -hmm. or exciting, but you interpret it as anxiety. Mm. So I think just acknowledging it. Acknowledging it's there is really the most important first step. Oof, that's not fun. <laughs> no, it's not. <laughs> it's not fun to acknowledge it's it. It's definitely not. It's hard. Yeah. Is a lot of, would you say majority of your clientele currently are millennials? I definitely work a lot with the 25 to 35 range. So right. Yeah. 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 That's us. Mm-hmm. Millennials. Exactly. For sure. Um, you know, we are talking about anxiety And I do want to start talking more about depression because just in kind of like our research and speaking with women, we hear these terms often a lot, you know, anxiety and depression. And sometimes one questions like, wow, it seems like everybody is going through this. And um, I would love to know your perspective as a professional. Do you believe that sometimes, and I, I want to say this with as much love and sensitivity, 
I can. Mm. Um, do you believe that sometimes people see it as a trendy thing to just name on what they're experiencing? Or do you really think that this is almost like an epidemic in our generation sure. that we are really just all suffering deeply, majority of us deeply from depression and anxiety? I think, unfortunately, with raising awareness, we've kind of gone to use these words as blanket terms and really like pathologize a right. normal human experience. So people say, oh, I have anxiety, I have depression, like it's something that's wrong with them. When really, these are normal emotions that come up. They're normal feelings. When we try to get rid of them, shame them, think that they make us weird, that's, I think, when it really intensifies and feels so much worse. So to answer your question, I think a lot more people are talking about it now. Mm -hmm. So that, of course, makes it seem more common. But it's also, you might just be nervous one day. It doesn't right. mean that you are a person who's anxious. You know, we're using these as like identifying characteristics about ourselves. And I think that it's just normal. I love that you said that. So you are finding that people are just starting to find identity sure. in your feelings. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah. I, I see a lot of people in my clients do this saying like, I'm an anxious person. I'm, I'm depressed. I think whenever we attach something to I am, it gives it so much power. Mm -hmm. And to say, I was feeling anxious for five minutes today, I think holds a lot less weight over you than I have anxiety. I can't do anything about it. That's really debilitating, and it makes you feel trapped mm -hmm. in that, I think. Yes. And then talking about you saying, like, this is everyday normalities, mm -hmm. right? You're going to feel anxious in traffic if, if you're going somewhere. You're right. going to feel sad and depressed if you lose a loved one. Mm -hmm. Would you say that anxiety and depression are not necessarily, I guess, like, problems or medical problems, mm -hmm. but they're more so, like, they're part of our lives? Like, they're kind of sure. in in. Like part of the journey of right, life, right, part of right. the journey of life. There's certainly a range, right? right? There's what's considered to be a normal amount of anxiety. And then if it gets into the point where it's so debilitating that it's getting in the way of your everyday life, it's hard mm -hmm. for you to get out of bed, to make decisions, to make uh, relationships with other people. That's when we're looking at, okay, this is becoming something a lot more serious. What I'm finding is that most people think they fall into that camp just mm -hmm. because they've been shamed or silenced for so long. And I think the more that we normalize things, mm -hmm. the more people are able to just get through it. Yes, right. absolutely. Right. I, I, I'm in such agreement with that. Our mom always kind of taught us this this little three-liner thing, which was like, one day you're down, the second day you're mm -hmm. down, the third day get up and go. Mm -hmm. And I think her intention behind that was for us to always try to power through as much as we can. And then if we ever needed help, obviously, then we would get the help. Right. But I like that perspective because I think it's important for all of us to sort of I guess I hate to use this word, but it's like power through to see if we can just do it on our own. What are your thoughts on somebody who maybe can't power through? You know, what what would you, how would you help them? Like if you had a friend or something that Right, couldn't. like if they just could not power through. Right. I think some of it is knowing when is it time to rest and when is it time to power through, right? right? Like when do I need to take a break or get outside help or get more support? And so- I always go back to validation, you know, tell people I'm here for you. I see what you're going through. This must be hard. And giving them that space before you say, hey, why don't we try to do something? Because that's usually where people get tripped up. They feel like they're pushed too quickly. Yes. Mm. Yeah. And I also, you know, 
for both sides, right, it can be it, it can be rather difficult because I think so many people depend as they should with the relationships around you, your family or your partner. Mm-hmm. Um, but sometimes they don't know the right things to say. And it kind of, it, it's very tricky. So I have two questions. What would you suggest for somebody dealing with somebody coming to them and expressing their feelings of sadness, depression? How can we be empathetic and supportive? And also, when is it time for that person to know, all right, I need professional help. Mm-hmm. My my relationships in my life have served me, but I need I need professional help now. When is that right time? Sure. So I think what you're speaking about, so many of us feel like we want to be able to help and get people right. out of this, mm-hmm. this mode, right? But I the system I usually follow is first validate, like I just said, go with questions. How does that feel for you? Tell me more about that. Just let the person talk and Mm -hmm. and discuss what they're experiencing. And then if you feel really compelled, like, I have a suggestion for them that I think would be really great, ask them, are you in a place right now where I can give you suggestions? Mm -hmm. And leave it to the person. If they tell you no, that's where I tell people, you're not allowed to give advice. Right, right, (laughs) right. You have to stop. And that's so hard for us, right? Yeah, yeah. I think even for me, I'm always like biting my tongue that I want to give advice. I can imagine for you. I mean, because you have the right advice. But that's the problem is that if people aren't ready to receive advice, they're not going to take it. So if they say, yeah, okay, I'm open to it, then sure, go for it. It's it's a lot more on us, the givers, Mm -hmm. to be able to sit with that person's distress and say, I'm going to just be with this person. And if they're not ready to be happy today or to feel better, I'm going to be okay with that. And it's Mm -hmm. so hard to watch people struggle. Yeah. It's really, really hard. I mean, I feel like it's kind of instinct in a way to like when somebody is opening up to you, you feel this like, well, they came to me. I have to like I have to try to fix it at least. Right. right? Um, But sometimes I think and, and I've seen some of your a lot of your posts that that just suggest hold space for them. Right. But you don't have to be the savior in that in that aspect, what would be like your kind of way as a, in your professional world, when you do feel like somebody is not ready to hear that advice that Mm -hmm. you have for them or the next steps, they just need to be sitting here in this healing period. Mm -hmm. Um, When is that time that you feel like, do you ever feel like people need to be nudged in any way or like, that's hard. Yeah. How, how do you, is it all instincts? Like, how do you as a professional, you know, I think help somebody that that's one the of the hardest things about yeah. any, like, sitting with a friend, being a professional in this field is being able to just let people have the space that they need. Right. I've never really seen it work out where I've pushed somebody quickly and they get there. It, it always works best when you give them the space. Mm-hmm. And that feeling you're talking about, like wanting to fix, that's actually mm-hmm. biological. So right. if you sit with somebody who is in distress, you're going to co-regulate with them. And typically, you're going to start to take on some of their mood. And a mm-hmm. lot of us are more prone to that than others. I mean, I do this as a living, so I can... Yeah manage it a little bit yeah. more. But <laughs> oh it's gosh. very normal if you're sitting with someone who's crying to be like, this is uncomfortable. I want to get rid of this feeling for them and for me. Right. I don't like this. Right. <laughs> right. 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 And I would, I think, you know, it's very interesting what you're saying because sometimes, you know, in our relationships, there are going to be in the journey of life, things that arise. 
And sometimes like in a partnership, let's mm-hmm. say, for example, um, your partner may be going through something and, and it is affecting you now as well because you are holding the space with them day in and day out. Do you see kind of those clients come to you as well? Absolutely. And and that's an area where you can set boundaries with people. You know, if, if your partner or someone that you live with is going through a really hard time and it's extending and it's having an impact on you, it's okay to say, hey, I can't talk to you about this every day. Mm. I'm going to, ha- I'll tell you when I'm ready to help you. It's not that we mm. just have to give, give, right. give. And some of us are very prone to that yeah. type of thinking. Yeah. And I think, I mean, it's like what you're saying, it's biological. And I think as women, mm-hmm. we're naturally, I guess, maternal or, you know, and we just want to be able to give and help. It's good to know that we could hold that space for ourselves and say, I can't help you right now. Absolutely. You know, because it's like, even the thought of it, I'm like, oh, but shouldn't I, shouldn't right. I give my all mm-hmm. to this person? If, if somebody, so for example, it, let's say for me, I'll put myself in an example. If I say that to, to my boyfriend now and say, listen, I can't hold the space for you. I just, I have a lot going, I just can't. And that person just doesn't get it. How do, how in a couple's mm-hmm. perspective, how do you f- get through that together? So that way, none of you guys are losing that validation from each sure. other because you're expecting that help. Mm-hmm. Right, right. So I think it's important to understand that how somebody else receives what you're saying is not yeah. really up to you. Right. So sometimes you can say things in the nicest, like kindest mm-hmm. way, and they're just not going to get it. So you have to be responsible for what you put out there. Make sure that it's in line with your values and morals and know that what you did was right. right. I think it's it's okay to say, I love you. I want to be of the best support to you. And right now I feel like I can't give you that. Mm. Would you mind if we talk about it tomorrow when I'm feeling more rested or whatever it is? It really helps to give another time period, I find, so people don't feel like they've just been left. Right. Right. Which I can definitely see, you know. I have a question. So in your line of work, you know, personally for me and it's funny that you mentioned mom right because our mom was like always that one day down two day down three day up Mm -hmm. kind of like let it go you know mentality which a lot of people could find a bit insensitive you know like sometimes people aren't ready to let it go or there's sometimes traumas that people deal with that really do need professional help right Mm -hmm. But at least in our culture, we have, there is still a little bit of that stigma of, oh, wow, you're going to therapy. Or even a little bit of fear in the sense of, well, maybe you get diagnosed with something and then you have to start taking medication. And like, there's a lot of this kind of, there's a stigma around it. If you're in Miami, you know, (laughs) and come from that in Paris. (laughs) So what is kind of your take on the whole field that you work in as a whole as well as um, some of those fears that I'm talking about being diagnosed, something so serious, a mental mm-hmm, illness, mm-hmm. and medication. Sure. I personally don't diagnose my clients. That's one of the reasons that I don't take insurance. I don't think that there's anything wrong with diagnosis for a lot of people. It's a really great benefit for them. They're able to get closure and find resources. For the types of people that I work with, I don't know that it fits because I'm working with a lot of people that are going through life transitions, Mm -hmm. things like that, that I I find that diagnosing can be a little bit limiting Mm -hmm. for them. Uh, Medication, I think, is a totally personal decision. It's it's something that you have to decide to do on your own and see if it works for you. Some people, medication doesn't help them. For others, it's a life-saving measure. Mm -hmm. But the stigma piece, 
I think is still huge, especially yeah. in Miami. And I'm noticing that among, you know, that 25 to 35 age group, among the millennial population, that a lot of my clients that are coming to me are trying to bridge the gap between their parents mm-hmm. and their own individuation and and trying to become more, I don't want to say more American, but just more <laughs> individualistic and right. embrace, going from like a very collective culture. Right. And I come from the belief that you can take as much or as little from both sides and find a really good medium. Yeah. And part of that is deciding to go to therapy if your family's against it. Maybe that's something you want to take from the other culture, yeah. from the other worldview and implement. For sure. Yeah. I think I saw on your Instagram the way that you deal also with clients is kind of seeing like what are they eating? What is their lifestyle? Can you talk to us a little bit about just mental health as far as like what we can be doing to maintain healthy? Yeah, absolutely. I think that your mental health is impacted by literally everything you do in your life. So you should be, you know, getting blood work done if you can, making sure that your hormones are good and testosterone and vitamin deficiencies, all of that can lead you to feeling symptoms. Mm-hmm. What you're eating and putting in your body, you know, I'm I'm a big fan of intuitive eating and mm-hmm. not really following anything specific, but making sure that you're getting a balance and that you feel like what you're putting in your body makes you feel good and mm-hmm. energized. Sleep is so important. Mm-hmm. That's one that most people come to me and say, yeah, I'm not sleeping well. And I think that really ties in. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, what are you eating? What are you drinking? Yeah. Like, I remember <laughs> when I was in Los Angeles with Mel, I used to get this coffee from Coffee Bean. And, you know, if you love Coffee Bean, that's great. But Coffee Bean used to give me, I guess, what you can assume to be like anxiety. Yeah. Super, super nervous feeling. And I was like, wow, now I'm starting to suffer from anxiety. But it was just this coffee. Yeah. It was literally <laughs> it's actually the so coffee. Common. Yeah. 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 And, and, so we do have to be conscious about, you know, what am I eating? What am I drinking? Mm-hmm. What is my lifestyle like? And is that lifestyle supporting my mental health and my right. mental clarity? So I love that you you take that on with your clients because I, I think sometimes it's true. We're very easy to kind of label. And once you label, it's like you become that in a way, right. that identity. Right. And how you treat your body and how you take care of yourself is a really big sign of self-respect and self-care. So we think about self-care as being like, you know, this big fancy thing. But really it's just, are you eating dinner? Like, are you getting up at the time you want to every day? Do you find your life to be filling for you? Yes. It's so crazy. I, back in February, had this terrible—I mean, when did I go back to L.A.? Like May? Yeah. From February to May— debilitating anxiety and Mm. it was literally poor food poor health no sleeping not eating like just terrible I was really not taking care of myself and I was on a flight to New York from here to New York in February and I tell you that I have never had an anxiety attack like this in my life heart sweating my legs were numb completely numb and I said what is happening to me and I started to freak out and I said, please don't tell me. Because I've, I've suffered from anxiety in the past. But mm-hmm. when I look at the behaviors, they were very similar. Very poor diet, you know, no sleep, a lot of stress. And I was like, oh, my gosh, please. 
And luckily, when I fix the problem, which is food and exercise and all of that, I'm feeling incredible yeah. and I'm sleeping like a baby and everything's yeah. and amazing. And you look incredible. Thank you. I'm glowing a little. <laughs> <laughs> but I do agree with that. And, and, and the reason for me saying this too is because I want to move a little bit into side effects for medication as well. Mm. Um, I took a birth control years ago mm. that got me in a really bad depression. And I had no idea what was. It was like it hijacked my mind, having suicidal thoughts, right. things like that. Mm-hmm. Have you also come across people that have are on maybe a medication like a birth control, let's just say, and you're like, well, what's you know, what are you taking? And maybe that's triggering something as well. Sure, sure. I mean, I'm a big believer that pe- you know your body better than anybody yeah, else, right. and so a lot of times, a physician might say, oh no, that that's not a possible side effect. If they say that more often than right. not. Yes. And if you're experiencing yeah. it and you know that you feel one way off that medication and on it, you might be the one person that has yep. that side effect. And mm-hmm. I don't really care if that's what it's causing for you. Yeah. Medications interact with people completely differently, you know, that you have to advocate for yourself. And once you figure out something like that, I think you just believe it, even if the doctor tells you that. Oh yeah, it's not because possible. you it's it's happening. So you're yeah. just like, well, this is me now. And then you're yeah. just like, you can't even think about what are you ingesting even if it's a medicine. Right. A simple right. birth control yeah. that everybody takes. Right. You never know. And I feel like a lot of times too some people that have unfortunately, you know, have suicidal thoughts or could be a trigger from a medication. Sure. Sure. There's so many different things that I think it's important to ask like when did I start feeling like this? Right. And what has changed in my life mm-hmm. since I started feeling like this? Because it's very rare that you're just going to like have this shift without something kicking it off. Right. Yeah. Do you believe that everybody could be cured from depression and anxiety? I don't know. That's a tough one. I think <laughs> yeah. we have a long way to go yeah. until we can answer that question. Yeah. I, th- I think what's, you know, what we're talking a lot about here is like life transitions and just kind of these normal body reactions, right, to the unknown, you know, mm-hmm. like the the ups and downs of just growing into yourself and pulling away from family, trying to establish a income stream. I mean, all of these things, you know, are are a bit scary. But I also think that there's a hope, right? There's like, well, there's a tomorrow, there's this. And I think a lot of people are able to get out from these kind of feelings or body reactions because of the hope. But what, how do you deal with with someone that comes to you that's been diagnosed with like a lifelong disease mm-hmm. or, you know, a feeling of loss? Because I I recently was, was up in Toronto and I was recording and my composer was telling me the story of his manager and was just diagnosed with MS, right? Mm. And, um, you know... He, it's like some days are fine, but some days he's like bedridden, like he can't move. And then for me, this gives me like every ounce of perspective, right? It's like I was anxious or depressed because I don't know like how I'm going to get my income, but like I'm figuring it, you know what I mean? And then I'm I'm hearing this story of this guy that really doesn't even know if he's going to be able to move tomorrow, mm-hmm. right? And how do you give hope to somebody in that situation, right? Like as as a professional, as as people that we are empathetic towards one another, how can we help each other out in those really, those challenging circumstances that can't change? Yeah, that's a big population that I work with, people with Mm, chronic medical conditions. And I think the beginning is really just about accepting and grieving the loss of 
the life that you expected to have, Mm. which I think we can go through that in so many ways, whether it's divorce, death, medical illness. We all have expectations for our life, right? And when things don't line up, we often have to go through a grieving process. Mm -hmm. But with any type of pain, it always ends. It might get different. It changes. But there's no pain that lasts at the same level forever. So I think giving people a space to say, this sucks. You lost what you thought you were going to have. And then working on creating a new normal. What's your life going to look like now? How can you find joy? Because it is possible. Mm. We're all just working with what we've got. Right. You know, and there are people who have are going to always have more and always have less and different mm-hmm. access that I think it's possible to reorient yourself. Yeah. So is that the the main part of your practice you would say focuses on that? Yeah. I would Was that say your choice? Majority. I started working with that like right actually in school. I did a lot of um, work in oncology centers. Mm-hmm. So then I just kind of continued with that population. And I work with a lot of spouses of people with chronic disease as well. Right, because that's tough on them. It's yeah. like it's a two-party, you know, how how would you handle the spouse that now has to deal with this? It's the same thing. It's grief, yeah. right? You've you've lost your partner. And for some of these people, it's like your, your partner is alive, but they're not really there anymore. Mm-hmm. And you're really learning how to love a new person and even get to know somebody new and deciding if you want to take that on. I mean, that's part of the equation as well, that not everybody is equipped to do that. Mm-hmm. Right. Oof. Yeah. But you know, one thing that you said I loved was like, you're building a new life, but you're going to find the new joys. Mm-hmm. You're going to find like your new normal. And I feel like for a lot of people who are either, you know, dealing with a loved one or them themselves who are sick, like I think this gives them a lot of hope. Sure. And I love that. Sure. That's awesome. I want to dive a little bit into trauma. Sure. Um, I we have a, a lot of girlfriends, a lot of millennial women that have had a lot of trauma in their life and they're doing the work, but sometimes they can't, they just cannot detach themselves from that. What would you say to any of your clients or anybody out there that is going through some sort of trauma and they just cannot overcome it and they're just carrying it with them day in and day out? Yeah. Trauma is a really hard thing to heal from because it gets stored in the body as well as the mind. And so I think sometimes when people are working through these types of things, they're thinking like, I need to forget this. I need to move on mm-hmm. from it. There's also a lot of pressure to like make something out of your trauma, right? Like what right. did you learn from it? How are you stronger now? And sometimes when something really awful happens to you, it doesn't make any sense. Yeah. It might be really hard for you to like come up with this really nice story and put a bow on it. So I think I would just want to give people permission to be angry, mm-hmm. right. especially women are really resistant to anger, right? It's not as comfortable of an emotion for us. And it's okay to be angry and mad and say, like, I wish this didn't happen to me and go through that process before you start healing mm. from what happened. Do you feel like it's, in your perspective, professional advice, mm-hmm. Um is it better to feel your feelings or if you have the ability to push it back and forget about feel it? Feel them a thousand percent Ugh. without a doubt. Really? <laughs> shoving them back yeah. is not really shoving them back. You're just like putting them in another area and then mm. they're going to come out some other way. Yeah. <laughs> so if you experience like chronic pain or nightmares or trouble sleeping or 
your muscles are sore. It's probably feelings. <laughs> you know, that you that kind of just suppressed. You cannot hide from a feeling. It's going to show up somewhere. Mm, whether now or later. Yep. And what's the best way to feel it? Like literally just feeling it. Yeah. Like- so, so the first thing is just acknowledging where you're feeling it in your body, right? Like we talked about that. All feelings show up in the body first. Mm. So acknowledge it. And then you can even say, why might I be feeling this feeling? You know, where is it coming from? Maybe you're able to tie it to something. Maybe you're not. Validate it. Okay, it makes sense why I'm feeling that. And then when you're ready, you can say, am I ready to do something about this feeling? Because we can take feelings and make them very motivating, Mm. right? right? To propel us to change. But we have to be ready to use that feeling to make that happen. It's so interesting. It's like I, I... I, I get two different thoughts in my head. Like, <laughs> when you are feeling the feeling, I've had sometimes, like, especially when I am hormonal, mm-hmm. like, in <laughs> every month, um, <laughs> when I do allow myself to feel the feelings, I suddenly feel like, oh, my gosh. And it's like I released it, but I yeah. also feel like, okay, we're moving on now, right? Because sure. I felt like, you know, it wasn't necessary, but it's out. And at the same time, there are things that I've experienced in my life that I felt was easier to just be like, all right, that happened, Mm -hmm. but I don't want to think about it anymore because I don't want to continue feeling that. Sure. So what do you suggest for people? Like, what is the healthy way of moving on? Or what what is healthy letting it go look like? I I wish there was a better answer. <laughs> I think people want to get to this place, right, where they're right. like, let it go. I, yeah. I don't believe that that exists. It's, okay. it's going to be a lot more like a wave where you're in and out and maybe you go long periods without thinking about something or being impacted from it. But then it might come back to you. You know, we see that with grief, that it right. comes in waves and yeah. you never really get over it or lose the yeah. memory. Right. What we want to happen is for it to decrease its hold on you. Mm -hmm. So you might still have a memory. You're aware of how much it hurt you, but it's not driving your actions every day. It's not subconsciously showing up and and causing you to act in ways that aren't in line with how you want to be living. Right. And you almost feel like you're neutral. Sure. Or you can allow yourself to be in pain about it, right? Like you can feel it and say, oh, that's normal because that thing that happened wasn't that great and I didn't like it. Some things do dissolve over time and they lose some of their power, especially once you've moved on. Like for anybody that's been through a breakup, you might think back and be like, oh my gosh, I thought I was never going to make it through that. And then you have a new relationship and you're like, I never even thought about that guy. Yeah, you don't even think about (laughs) him ever again. That's actually a perfect example of like a a very painful time that all of a sudden now you're in another relationship, super happy, you even forgot that that happened. Yep, yep. And that's that's like a perfect example of how pain can feel so bad. Right. And then it's gone. Right. But you have to allow yourself to move through it. Right, right. And what about like maybe traumas that are, a little bit hard to, I guess, come by, like a sexual assault or a rape or anything mm-hmm. like that. Mm-hmm. Those traumas, how can women sort of find some sort of peace and move on with their life in some way, shape, or form? Sure. I mean, I think a lot of it is us validating other women, believing right. them, rallying around women, creating spaces where we can safely talk about that kind right. of stuff. Because so many women are living in silence and shame about right. those types of issues. Right. That really helps. Around those types of traumas, professional help can be huge. You know, Mm -hmm. there's a lot of trauma-oriented therapies like EMDR, which is something I practice, um, anything that's going to integrate 
the mind and the body. Also doing things like trauma-informed yoga. Um, Doing things that are, like if it's a sexual assault, engaging in non-sexual consensual touch. So like getting a massage or um, physical therapy. Any of these types of things where you're allowed to rebuild agency over your own body can be really helpful. There's a lot of different ways. That's powerful. Yeah. Yeah. I would love to learn a little bit more about this. I mean, people always say that science can take us so far and then there's God or then there's therapy yoga. Sure. So can, can you ex- like talk to us a little bit about some of these kind of, I guess, new age ways of healing? Yeah. I mean, I think these are ways that have been around for so long. A long time. But that science has almost tried to put them in a box and be You're like, so right. we like, shouldn't use those things right. because they're not real. Yeah. And I am a firm believer that if you find something that works for you and it doesn't hurt other people, go Do for it. it. Right. <laughs> and like, I don't care what that is. So right, as right. long as it's not negatively impacting you or somebody else, cool. I mean, there I've worked with people that have got had way better results from doing yoga than going to therapy. Wow. And that's what they needed. There are people who... Literally, if you tell them to do yoga, they're going to punch you in the face. <laughs> and therapy has been great for them. Right. So right. just it's all trial and error, which is really kind of the hard process about healing is figuring out what's going to work for you. Yeah. But I don't think there's one size fits all. Right. It has to be – you have to kind of search and find out what is it. Try it all and then yeah. figure out what works yeah, for you. Yeah, and silence out the noise of people being yes. like, you should do medication, you should do this. Every, you're such – everybody's so unique. Yes. Right. You know that it's going to impact you differently. And what you've yeah. been through is unique. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm sorry. Were you no, going to no, say no. something? <laughs> no, I'm just going to say that it really is a trial and error process. And yeah. it's – and that's and kind of – one size fits all, which yeah. is good to know. Because I think a lot of people with social and things, they're just like, well, if I'm not reacting the same way she is or, or right. she – like let's say a friend, oh, we went through similar things. Oh, but look at her. She's doing so much better and I'm struggling. Yeah. It's, I think it's important for women to know that. Yeah. And you never know how someone's actually feeling. I mean, my clients always say to me, everybody's doing so much better than me. And I'm like, I know they're not because they're all yeah. sitting on my couch. <laughs> yeah. Right. Like I know that right. it's just yes. not true. Yes. And it's a lot of us, and not that everybody should be struggling, but it's yeah. more that we all have feelings and emotions and things we're going through, and we're just not talking about it with no. each other as well, much. Well, no one's so immune to it, right? Yeah. No, a lot of people think, well, as soon as I am financially stable, as soon as I get married, as soon, as soon, as mm-hmm. soon, those are their excuses to find, quote, unquote, happiness. Yeah. But what they don't realize is that even with the person that, let's say, has the finances or whatever— nobody's immune to struggles. Mm -hmm. Every human being has to go through it because that's part of life. It just looks differently for other people, you know? And I think that the work that you're doing is so spectacular because it's very practical, but it's also realistic and it's comforting because it makes us know like, okay, it's normal. It's okay. We don't have necessarily a problem, you know? And I I feel like a lot of women um, need to know that. And I think yeah. that by following you and listening to this conversation, they'll find they'll definitely find that hope. Absolutely. What is the best advice that you can give millennial women for their mental health? Oh, gosh. <laughs> <laughs> How can we be bettering ourselves? Be kind to yourself. Validate what you're experiencing and just acknowledge it. I mm. think once there's shame involved, that's when things get really difficult. If we could just say, like, this is normal. I'm going to be okay. Yeah. I'm doing the best that I can, we'd all feel a lot better. Yeah, definitely. And also knowing when it's time to seek professional help if you need it. Absolutely. 
But I think first try yourself and then. And there's no real should you or should you not. Like if anybody wants it, go for it. I mean, I'm always in and out of therapy depending on what's going on in my life because sometimes it's just nice to have a place to process decisions that you're making in your career that I know my mom's advice is going to be tainted. Like she's my mom. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. it's going to be biased. So exactly. So sometimes (laughs) it's good to just get this person that knows nothing about me except what I give them. Exactly. So you heard it here. Ditch your friends and go (laughs) see a therapist. therapist. Exactly. (laughs) Whitney, thank you so much for your time. We appreciate you so much. Of course. It was so great to be here. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for tuning in to today's episode. If you want to learn more about Whitney, please visit thecollaborativecounselingcenter.com and follow her on Instagram at sitwithwit. Subscribe and leave us a review on iTunes and Spotify. Ladies, this helps us continue to bring you powerful conversations just like this to you every single week. Are you looking for free and discounted resources? Then sign up right now to our free newsletter at wearemillennialwomen.com for subscriber-only freebies and perks to help you become the best version of yourself. And as always, we encourage you to continue on with the conversation. Keep being the strong, amazing woman that you are and never forget to live inspired. Until next time, MW, always love Melissa and Stephanie Kirkache.